Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Yeah, it's chilly today. Yeah, just, um, I, you know, let's see with your word of the year being consistency. Yes. Your 6am ice bath in February. Oh, you enjoyed my ice bath this morning. <laughs> I just get abuse from my co-host. Oh, I'm loving this. Well, do you want to open the show then, Sophie? <laughs> On that note... Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate watson Smythe. Now, before we begin, we are delighted to welcome back to the show our sponsors, Natural Mat. Natural Mat make beds and mattresses by hand in Devon using natural, organic and renewable materials with absolutely zero chemicals, synthetics or glues. Natural materials are far more breathable, more comfortable and longer lasting, all contributing to a far better and healthier night's sleep. Did you know that the majority of mattresses in the UK are still sprayed with chemical fire retardants and Natural Mat have always thought this was crazy? Instead, the organic wool they use, which they buy directly from farmers on their doorstep in Devon, renders their mattresses naturally fire retardant. That's so super clever, isn't it? Now, to learn more about Natural Mat's organic beds and mattresses, head to their website, naturalmat.co.uk, or visit one of their showrooms in London, Nutsford, Devon or the Cotswolds. And listeners of The Great Indoors can receive 10% off their first order with Natural Mat, either online, in-store or over the phone by using the code the great indoors valid until the 30th of april 2024 now on with the show and today well myself especially very excited to welcome best-selling author global expert on behavioral design and color psychology expert it's the one and only karen huller in other words well, she helps businesses and interior design professionals to use colour and design to improve well-being and support our mental health, something which I am fully on board with. Karen also consults and collaborates with companies looking for innovative solutions to social problems who are looking for new ways of improving the human experience in balance with nature. Her clients have included Samsung, Dove, M&S, Huawei and Fiat. Oh, look, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. So thank you so much. Oh, it's honestly, you've been on our hit list for absolutely ages, but you are our first guest of 2024. <laughs> but first up, Kate, I know you've got you've got an important question that you want clarifying before we get we dig into the nitty gritty. I have because we talk a lot about colour psychology and I believe you are often called by other people and and other people perhaps in your profession as a colour psychologist and you reject that title. Now, why are you not a colour psychologist? Well, yeah, I do reject the title um, and this will just be my little soapbox moment. So just let me just let me have this minute, right? <laughs> it will be. Consider yourself on that box. Oh, I'm on the box. Go, Karen. On the box, on the box. So... There is no such degree as colour psychology. You, you can't do a degree in it. Also, with psychology, which I, I, I actually 
contacted the organization, which I can't remember what they're called. It's interesting how many different types of people that call themselves psychologists actually aren't registered. So you can call yourself an interior psychologist, a web psychologist, a fashion psychologist, and none of these are actually registered. And you can just get, you can get away with it. But what it is, and this is the bit that is important for me, is that it's very misleading to the public. Because when the public think you are a psychologist in something, they think they're getting someone who has had the formal training. And I know people in many different industries that are calling themselves a colour psychologist and they have no training even in colour psychology. So that's my big, my big concern is that it's misleading. I've studied fashion design, interior design, I've studied um, uh, child psychology, you know, I've done a lot of behavioural psychology, I've studied a lot, but I still don't call myself a psychologist because I don't have a degree in psychology. I I didn't want to spend three years learning Freud, like to me that was just like boring. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that's why I just thought I am not do I'm not doing this degree. But the thing that was really important for me to understand the adult was to understand the child. So that's why I focused just on initially on on child psychology. But if you read in magazines, if you read in newspapers anywhere, and anyone is called a color psychologist, just take it with a pinch of salt and know that it's just a a label that someone's given themselves um, and it's and it doesn't exist. So let's dig into a little bit more then of what you are because it's a you know you've definitely carved out a particular niche within the interior design world. I mean I know you work with sort of trend forecasters and your works you know crossed over into fashion and brands but in terms of interior design which I think is kind of where your big passion is tell us a little bit more about the type of work you do because it's pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah, so my whole premise about interiors is very much about connecting to the authentic self and expressing who you are in your home because our home is an extension of us. And we want to feel comfortable in our own home, but we want to be able to express who, who we are. So if we are living authentically and we are wearing the colours that are authentic expression of who we are, and we know who we are as people, it would only make sense that we would want to surround ourselves with ourselves and by and we can do this through colour and design psychology. And that's the bit that I love. I'm absolutely fascinated about human behaviour and using colour as a vehicle to explore that and to, to, to be able to express that. So, I'm, I mean, I may be jumping the gun here with the procedure, but so I'm, I'm hearing that we, we want to surround ourselves with ourselves and that makes complete sense to me. But to just get into then perhaps, is this a bit chicken and egg? Do we need to know ourselves to know what colour to surround ourselves with or by choosing the colours to surround ourselves with, do we come to know ourselves? How how are we unpacking this to decorate our homes? Yeah, I, I see what I see what you're saying about the chicken and egg. The colours that we have around us right now and the colours that you're wearing are a reflection of who you are right now. So if you've got a wardrobe that's full of all black clothes but a very brightly coloured home and you're thinking, well that doesn't seem to match, at any point in time when you bought something there's always a reason why you bought what you bought. And yes, it could be because it was on sale or because it was a hand-me-down or you were given it. But quite often that we look at the things that we really love, there will be a signpost or a point in time when we bought that and something that happened in our life that that 
relates back to. So what what we have, yes, is is an expression of who we are, but that doesn't mean it's who we are authentically. It doesn't mean who we who we truly are, because quite often there are layers and layers of stuff and way we think we've had to be or the way that we've had to adapt or circumstances, things that have happened in our lives that have shaped what we now see as being ourselves. This is so fascinating because I come across this with clients. So it's it's in a way, sometimes we'll pick colours and design elements for the clothes we wear and the items we put in our home in an attempt to be someone else like project project exactly yeah. and i think you know typically fashion's always been the place to do that you know you i, I know for example a lot of people wear black because they want to be taken more seriously for example or navy or you know a serious color you know if you're going to go into law or be a barrister or whatever but then what's really interesting is in this social media age, we're seeing people also create homes because they're putting them on Instagram or whatever. And we're in this much more kind of like show-offy, open our doors to the world kind of environment that people are doing in their interiors mm, too. Mm. No, absolutely. And this show-offy is quite often, and coming from a, if I'm looking at this from a psychology Everything that we do, whether we realise it or not, is because we want to be accepted and we want to be loved and we want to feel that we belong. That is the basis and the core of human nature is to belong and to fit in because we don't want to be rejected and we don't want to be cast out. So I think a lot of the times when we are putting our homes onto Instagram or, or onto social media, we are hoping that in return people will like our interiors because if they like what they see, what we are really saying is if you like my home, it means you like me. Karen, I'm feeling I'm feeling very exposed right now. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that, that really resonates, doesn't me. it? But what that that leads me slightly in two different directions. And one is that suddenly I feel that listeners might feel suddenly a little bit paralyzed about where to go with their decoration and secondly are you suggesting perhaps that there's a whole host of people a whole generation of instagrammers who this is a harsh thing to say are perhaps not living authentically because their homes have been done for instagram and not for their authentic selves i don't even think it's instagram kate i think people have been designing their homes to fit in with their social circle be it the people in their street you know mrs been, jones yes long before instagram i think instagram's just maybe blown it mm, yeah blown it up what do you think karen yeah i mean look do you remember when everyone wanted elephant's breath yes if there was ever a like the best example of you know, at a dinner party, I never went to these dinner parties, by the way, but, you know, at the dinner party, <laughs> were you on one, Kate? Were you at the dinner party? <laughs> I, I, yes, I know people. For, for those who aren't familiar, Far, uh, Elephant's Breath was a, a, a shade of grey by Farrow and Ball that was hugely popular. And it was a colour that could be grey in some lights and slightly warmer and beige in other lights. But it was, it was then followed by Downpipe, which was the colour. I painted my sitting room in the last house in Downpipe and my predictive text got to the point so much where if I typed it's, it would put downpipe. Even if I was talking about the weather or something else, it was just it's downpipe. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, those colours. So you didn't go to those dinner parties. I'm afraid I did, no. Karen. <laughs> yes, yes. So there you go. We've got someone here that can prove it. So at those dinner parties when they said, oh, what, what colour's your living room or your hallway? Oh, it's elephant's breath. 
this this took on this amazing phenomenal growth that the the color did the marketing and people would just say they've got elephant's breath a lot of the time for the sake of just being able to say that so that they belonged and that is just an, a fantastic example just of human nature wanting to fit in but every generation has wanted to fit in just that we it's just more obvious now with instagram that it's 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 we, we can we can just see that a lot a lot clearer now whereas before we had social media and we might not have noticed it because we might have had then the you know the celebrities we might have had the movie stars and everyone then just copies them but it's it, it's you didn't see it on a global scale it was more just you saw it more locally so so what's the way through how do you find your authentic self or or with perhaps still that element of wanting to fit in and still yeah be accepted because for those of us who love the bright and energizing and joyful palette of colors how do you take people on that journey to move away from the safe the safe neutrals which you know for some people are the right color that we should caveat with that for some people but just not everybody. Yeah, we have to bear in mind that it, it's, is it that phrase, which is a bit of a cliche, but find your tribe. You know, for some people that is a safe, they want that safe palette for whatever reason, maybe their job is very stressful outside and they feel safe in a kind of neutral environment or, you know, maybe they tend to the other extreme like Sophie. How do you find what is right for you? And in your words, your authentic self and decor? I start very much from the inside out because even when we try and find our tribe, it's still a sense of needing to belong. I think if we really focus on who we are and centre back to ourselves, because that way we're authentic and we're going to be judged either way. You're going to join a tribe. You're going to do someone's house like they've got on Instagram. You're going to follow, you're going to follow Sophie. You're going to follow Kate doesn't matter what you do, there's always going to be somebody who then doesn't like it. What we then can get easily confused about is we go, do they not like the style or do they don't not like us? Because people are trying to do something to fit in. You're not going to fit in either way. There's always going to be people that agree with you that don't agree with you. The only person that you um, have to answer to is yourself. So if you create something that you absolutely love and you think this is me if somebody doesn't like it they're not rejecting you what they are doing is they are making you or they're making your home or your colors or whatever it is about themselves so all they're really saying is i don't like this for me and in the book you've probably read that um, there was a survey which I was absolutely blown away with and really shocked that up to 75% of people in the UK decorate their homes for other people to like it. So therefore, 75% of people in the UK potentially are living in a home that they're not particularly comfortable in hoping that somebody else will say that's nice. It's so interesting, though, the way you word that, because for me, who has a tendency to take everything personally and feel constantly rejected, that notion that someone, if they look at your decor, they're not saying, I don't like you. What they're saying is, your decor is not right for me. And in a nutshell, that I am hearing there, don't take it personally. 
and which which is always the big life lesson that I have to learn because I take everything personally. Absolutely. And this is where I sort of come back to people who try and decorate their homes for a prospective buyer five years down the line. Like there's loads of people who are like, oh, I'd love to have wallpaper and fabric and colour and maximalism like you do. But what if I ever want to sell my house? It's interesting how this notion of pleasing all the people all the time stops us. Why not in the meantime, enjoy your house and live and live authentically why are you putting your life on hold and why are you living a life that's not you because in the future you're going to sell your home i just could never get my head around that so are you saying karen it sounds to, to to in a nutshell that color is much more important than we than we perhaps realize and that would you say you know everything starts with color and with us finding our color personality and then how do we do that Colour is more important uh, or more important than we realise, but it's we're usually only about 20% conscious of our colour choices that we make. So that's become so pushed down on the subconscious level that we don't even realise that we're making thousands of colour choices every day. And the other big thing to say as well with colour is colour is emotion. So it's an emotional expression. So we are always expressing who we are and it's and and that's a really really important thing that the colors that we surround ourselves with or the colors that we pick even if we don't realize they are having an emotional effect on us all of the time and on our behaviors so whilst we th- might think we're in an achingly fashionable home it is having a, a having a big big impact on our mood, on our feelings, how we think, and ultimately on our behaviours. And that is what we need to be really aware of as well. So there's two things here to unpack. This is, oh, this is why this podcast is so brilliant. I just love digging into this. So one is love the colour is emotion and it is affecting us. So we need to know the colours that are going to affect us emotionally in a positive way are. And so let's get into that first. But I also want to address the fact that we don't live alone. We have other people in our households who who may have a different emotional connection to different colours. So can you just give us a bit more indication on how colour is emotion and how we're all different like this is not a one size fits all this is not like a a blue is calming yellow's energizing binary thing is it there's it's a bit I want you to get into the nuance of personal relationships with colour a bit first and then we'll deal with our husbands (laughs) yes we all do have our own personal relationships with colour and so for instance I know that I'm a spring primary personality and a winter secondary. So my yellow, which I've got on now, which is a um, like a sunshine yellow, would be a yellow that for somebody else would absolutely put their teeth on edge. <laughs> Kate, do you wanna do you wanna have an opinion on uh, Karen's sunshine yellow top? <laughs> so you can see that it suits me. Now, if you said to me, Kate, oh my god, I absolutely can't stand that yellow. I would go, of course you can't, because it's not the yellow for you. Yeah. I wouldn't take that personally because I know that this suits me and I know it's my yellow. So I know that your comment is about you. But what your yellow might be is a saffron yellow or an ochre yellow, one of those really muddy. warm yellows with muddy sort of yellows with a black in it. Now, if I wore that yellow, you would straight away go, Karen, are you okay? You look you look really ill. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
yellow car and I know that she'd absolutely lost the blonde. <laughs> lost yeah, yeah. It, it would be, you're just thinking, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. But still yellow. So are you yellow, saying right? we do... We do know deep down, we've just perhaps, as you said, we only pay 20% attention to our colour choices. Are you saying that if we just stopped and thought about it a bit harder, we know what colours we like? If we feel into it and we took away everybody else's opinion, we took away what our parents told us, we took away what we're worried about what other people would think, if we take away trends... If we take away everything that is external and we really connect it into ourselves and go, do you know what? It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Because I can tell you now, when I found out I was a spring, I was livid. <laughs> livid. <laughs> well, interesting, Karen, because obviously um, I've read your book and, and done a bit of work on colour psychology myself. Spring and winter, quite a seasonal polar opposites, aren't they? So I imagine the winter, is it the winter part of your personality struggling with the spring element? Yes, because spring doesn't get taken seriously. So if we look at the season, true season in nature, and not what we've done to nature, because we can get every colour in every season. If we look at nature in its truest, truest form as nature intended, spring is light and it's clear. So it's daffodils, you know, it, the daffodil yellow, it's the, the bright grass green, it's the lilac it's sky blue, it's it's a warm yellow base and it's clear, it's got clarity to it. I'll just I'll just jump to autumn. Autumn is spring but with black in it. So autumn has got the that's why we think it's quite earthy, because it will be this spring of spring yellow, but because you've put some black in it, it makes it more this earthy, muddy colour. And that's how it, it's not as simple as this, but that's how you get the, the the sunflower yellows and the ochres and you've got the rust reds olive greens, you know, those beautiful, rich colours. Summer and winter are the cool blue-based. So all the summer colours is a lot what you would see in that Farrow and Boar palette, how they're all greyed out and they're all cool. So that's where you get the dusty pinks and the dusty blues and your duck egg blues and you've got all those, um, you know, lavenders, all those colours that have almost they're grey with a bit of colour in them. That's all summer because that's all very soft and very gentle. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I think people would not assume that for summer. I think a lot of people would assume that summer was going to be the bright colours. So that's a really interesting point that it's much... I'm thinking south of France. It's a bit Provence, isn't it? Sort of, you know, those yellow buildings with lavender and a sort of soft greyish eucalyptus-y type green is, is actually your summer. And what summer does is, if you think of it on a hot summer, I know we've got to try and imagine this now, but think of it on a hot, hot summer day where the sun is bleaching the colour out. That's, 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 that's what that is. Then winter is absolutely contrast. This is where the black and this is where the pure white sits. It's where the really, really icy, so really icy blue. So Sophie, when your uh, bathtub outside is frozen with water and you're before you get in it, um, that, that really icy blue colour, it's where the really intense magenta pink sits, the midnight blues, the real kind of, you know, the midnight greens, those really strong, intense colours. And so every single colour that is in nature will fit into one of those four colour palettes. And you said you were livid when you discovered you were spring. <laughs> Why is that? Because I wanted to be... I want it to be autumn. I want it to be taken seriously. When you have grown up as a tall blonde and you get called a dumb blonde for a lot of your life and then you work in colour 
and people just think oh that I'm just some, I'm just doing some ditzy oh look at these colors aren't they pretty I really wanted to be taken seriously so my winter side absolutely did not like that and I was I was livid but when I saw the colors I went yep yeah, that's definitely me because of the way they light me up but what I had to do like a lot of people I had to really then start to learn who I was so I started really I did a lot of personal I mean I'm very open about it I did a lot of personal development work you know mental fitness work and I really wanted to understand who I was because if I was going to do this work I had to show up authentically so I am absolutely okay now on being the fun the playful the silly you know I my friends all think I'm as mad as a box of frogs and I know that's okay because I know that's me my winter side which is my secondary side is the focus I don't take any nonsense I don't suffer fills gladly but I know now that my color palette is the spring color palette and I know that my design style is a mix between the spring and the winter and that's how I get my whole authentic personality into my home so what's it been doing to us all being in the grip of this gray trend for the last 10 15 years i mean i think i feel Karen, we're out of it there's been lots and lots of celebration of color paint brands are saying they've never sold so much colored paint all the magazines and the trend forecasters are saying you know gray's gone but we were in the grip of it for a really long time what effect do you think that's had on people living with that mono monotone color let me start by saying that there is no such thing as a wrong color it's only wrong if it's not right for us but there was a phenomenon with gray and i think gray came from when in the late 90s to the early 2000s there was a lot of white a lot of homes that were in white and usually what ends up happening is because of what's happening in the, in the economy, what's happening in the world. And these weren't trends that were picked up by forecasters. These were trends that were that actually happened, I, I, what I call on a consumer level, on a you know on an on an everyday person level. And when things get too overwhelming for us, when we find that we can't cope with what's going on in the world, it's quite interesting the colours that not everyone, but you know a, a majority of people turn towards. And white was the color in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that's very much about a color about cocooning yourself and shutting, shutting the world out. Then white ended up becoming and feeling too cold and too sterile and too hard and too harsh. So what people started moving towards was another color that was very safe, that still gave them that level of safety, but didn't feel so cold and hard. And that was gray. So gray is a color and again, this is to do with color psychology because I know there'll be people that'll be shouting at the at the podcast right now, going, "What are you saying, Cara?" And that's not true. But from the perspective of color psychology, grey is a color that allows us to recede, and allows us to hide, and it allows us to hibernate. When there's too much going on again in the world, we retreat back to a home that is predominantly grey. We can shut the door. We can shut all the noise that's going on outside. And it's a way of another way of protecting ourselves. But like with any color, if we are around too much of the one color, too much gray can actually end up draining us. Do, do you remember Sophie? 
I think it was in 2015 at the 100% Design, you said that you had dark grey in your bedroom. Mm. And I said to you, do you do you wake up tired? And you said yes. Mm, definitely. Remember that? That just came into my mind then. And that's because when we have too much for colour, we can think that grey is calming, because that's what a lot of people say, grey is calming. But what grey actually is for a lot of people, and not for summer people, because they've got a lot of grey in their colours, and, it, and it's something that actually is really positive for them. But for anyone else, like someone like me, if I'm around a lot of grey, I might think it's calming me, and then all of a sudden... It's like that, you know, that TV show, Pointless. All of a sudden it gets in that bar. <laughs> and then instead of it thinking it's calming, what it ends up doing, it actually ends up draining. And so the And then up that can be drained. exhausting because Absolutely. you've got to counterbalance that. So you actually end up not feeling calm, but just feeling exhausted. Exhausted. And can I share mm. another thing that came up? And that's when we got pops of colour. That's... <laughs> That's when, see, I'm, I'm someone who I love, because I love human behavior, I love watching what's going on in the world and I, I'm fascinated by when all these things happen. And pops of color came out, from my view, as a response to all white and all gray. I've got two questions here. I don't know which one to go with first, but on a sort of global note, to take you back to the beginning of gray and we had the white and we had the gray and the world outside was scary. Judging by what's going on in the world at the moment, we ought to be right back to sitting in a dark corner with white walls all around us, possibly padded white walls. And yet we seem to be having an explosion of colour and rich colours and cocooning colours. So does that mean that perhaps we don't yet know it, but we've got reasons to feel positive or are we subconsciously feeling a bit better? Right. So when, before the pandemic, we were stimulated by everything outside. We went to work, we went to the pub, we went to the movies, we went dancing. And you can understand that when people are very, very overstimulated with what's going on outside, a lot of the people come home, want to shut everything off. And, and so they would use white, grey or very, very light colours to, to, to lower that emotional state. Then came the pandemic. All that outside stimulation is gone. And now they're in a home that doesn't stimulate them what they were doing was starting to bring in a lot of the stimulation in their home through colour. And what they did was a lot of them overdid it. And it was a kaleidoscope and it was everything. And I think this is where maximalism came off, came from. And so maximalism has got legs now. And it's it's done now in a obviously in a far more modern way. The pattern, the print, the colours. And so what I am watching for now is whether people will pair back or people will just go, actually, no, this is really me. And now I've got the opportunity to express who I am or whether what a lot of people have done is they've swung straight back down to white because it's like they've had the radio on full blast and now they've turned the radio off. So the are you hold on a minute? Are you serious? Are, are there people out there who used to like a white, neutral, scandy middle interior, who went kaleidoscopically maximalist for three years, who've taken it all out and gone back? It's, I don't know anyone who's done that. Are you telling me there are people yeah. who've done that full? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that's it, freaky. <laughs> it makes sense to me though, in terms of 
of, as you say, the psychology behind it. I mean, that to me makes complete behavioural sense. And behavioral it's sense. like extreme emotional decorating. Yeah. I think that sounds but don't, absolutely nice. Don't you remember in the pandemic, I had this, um, which I thought at the time, this very beautiful whitewashed loft in my last house. And, and we watched that 70s series, Holston, about the fashion designer. And 24 hours later, we painted a wall in the loft in bright, bright red. Yes, um, and, and then 24 hours, hours after that, I went, oh, my God, it looks like Virgin Active the gym. And I painted it all back out again. It was a very intense three days, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but, but that was exactly that. And I think that that was, you know, we were deep in the pandemic. And it was like, you know, God, I need to... This colour suddenly speaks to me. I must have it. And then I put it up and I was like, no, that's not me at all. <laughs> As you were. Yeah, and that's a great, it's a great example. And then you just did it, you just did it in a very, very short amount of time. Yeah. Oh, so, and, so and in terms of then redecoration, I just want to bring it perhaps back from the sort of psychology, behavioural bit to, to, to a sort of practical note. If we then find the colours that allow us to live authentically ourselves, is there then a notion that, that if that's who we are and that's right for us, we can't redecorate it? Or is it about do we need to redecorate because our circumstances have changed or we're, you know, we might need different things at different times? How do we approach that? redecoration yeah i mean we're not fixed because anytime you do any kind of design that's that's a point in time and you could have gone through a divorce you could have moved in with somebody you know there's it could be that um you've you've got a new job you've lost a job you might have a bere bereavement and it might be that you just need different proportions or different saturations of the color but your color palette is your color palette um but it's just being aware of why you're decorating. It could even be that a colour that you really, really love is now on trend and you could not get that colour before, but now you can get it in bedding and you go, that's, I want that colour. We absolutely need to thrive and we can do that by being authentically who we are. This is the question that I get asked the most. So I would love to know your spin on it. What do you do with the other half if he's got or she's got or they've got very different emotional colour responses than you do? What if you're like me, Miss Colour Saturated Maximalist, and I'm married to Mr Beige? Which I'm not, luckily, but some people are. What do you do? Just so I'm, I'm spring primary, winter secondary, and I just say my partner is autumn primary and winter secondary for instance already i can see we can see that the two primary personalities are from the warm color groups and we both just happen to have the both winter secondary personality so this is where the compromise is always stick to one color palette because that way you the colors don't jar because if you start mixing all colors together from different color palettes there is a jarring there's this disconnect this dis-ease that you will find so i might be able to say to my partner do you know what i can live in the autumn colors but it's got to be the really lighter end of the autumn because it's closer to spring or he might say I can live with spring colours, but it needs to be the stronger spring colours because the lighter ones are just too light for me. So there's a compromise there. And then you get the design style in. So because we're both winter, we can both have the, the design style can be both winter. 
I think in terms of headlines, what I'm hearing is make sure your colour palette is harmonious and continuous throughout the home and use styling elements to form your compromise. That's where you can start thrashing it out because it is a compromise ultimately, isn't it? When you when you live with people. It is. It is. You know, they say opposites attract, but when you work out your colour palette and design style, you'll see a commonality there because it would just be very unusual to be completely and utterly different. Um, but what you want to also do is try and bring it just down to two des- design styles, not three, because that can get really messy as well and you've lost that cohesiveness. But what you want to be able to do is that both feel that they're supported and they both feel that they're expressed in the home. And then if you've got your own study or you've got your own, there's a room that's just for you, go for it. You know, that's where you can really express who you are in that room because it is just for you. Yeah, I mean, I've found with my own journey, so for example, in the bedroom, my husband's not really worried about the bedroom decor. It's just not an important room to him. So I've very much taken ownership of that. More the kitchen, which is more of our family space, he had very strong opinions on that. He really wanted to make sure that he was comfortable with the colours and the design choices in that. So I suppose, again, it's a... It's a what, you know, it's rare that we have our own rooms in our homes, but sometimes people feel more passionate about certain spaces. Oh, Karen, this has been the most, I knew it was going to be a biggie. I knew this was going to be a bumper episode. So much amazing content. But I just before we wrap, I want to bring it back to this final concept of we're starting the new year. For me and for a lot of our listeners, colour and decoration is our outlet. It is our joy. Can you impart any of your wisdom on how we can bring the colour joy quickly and easily and effortlessly into our homes? What do you think? I'll share the things that bring joy into my life, which really helped ground me and and, um, get clarity on who, who, who I am. The first thing is... I actually stopped years ago, I stopped watching, reading and listening to the news because that brought so much fear and so much anxiety and worry that I found that I was um, decorating my home to try and compensate for that as a reaction to that. So I stopped doing that and the amount of joy that I felt and the, the lightness I felt was phenomenal. I spend a lot of time in nature which also is very, brings me a lot of joy. And I also exercise because it's so important for my, my mental well-being and also for my, you know, mental and physical fitness. Just, just doing those three things brought so much joy into my life because I, if I freed myself of a lot of the worry and anxiety and everything that was going on. And therefore I was, when I was decorating, I could decorate from a sense of joy and a, and a sense of balance and a sense of clarity. And that made such a big change and a big difference to me. Oh, I love that. And I concur with all those things. Oh, Karen, you've been the absolute gem and you yourself a joy. I, I'm just going to flag up, obviously, to all our listeners. This is my very well thumbed copy of Karen's book, The Little Book of Colour, How to Use the Psychology of Colour to Transform Your Life. It's so small, you can pop it in your handbag. It's perfect on the bedside table. Absolutely love that book. And indeed, it is a bestseller. So if you haven't got yourself a copy already, grab one. It's a book for life. 
Oh, no, it was an absolute joy. I could speak to you two for hours. I was just looking on the shelf for mine. I, I was about to echo everything. I love that book. Oh, thank you. As well as Karen's book, you can find Karen on Instagram at Karen underscore Huller. That's with an A underscore colour. And on Facebook, Karen Huller Colour and Design. And of course, we'll pop all those links in the show notes and inside our Insiders newsletter. So just before I go, I want to remind you again of the Great Indoors Insiders Club, where you can get your style dilemmas answered, you get priority treatment, you read our weekly newsletters, you get our design tips, uh, we offer up our great buys, and of course, links to everything mentioned in the show. Just visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com to sign up. We'll be back next week, so that all that remains is for us to thank our sponsors, Natural Mat. To learn more about Natural Mat's organic beds, mattresses and bedding, head to their website at naturalmat.co.uk or visit one of their showrooms in London, Nutsford, Devon and the Cotswolds. Natural Mat are delighted to offer the Great Indoors listeners 10% off their first order by using the code THEGREATINDOORS, either online or in one of their showrooms, valid until the 30th of April 2024. So thank you, Natural Mat. And also thank you to our producer, Sarah Cudden, Office Collective, and of course to you, our lovely listeners. And we'll see you in the great indoors.